just want to just celebrate and, and edify my brother and, and just let him know how much he, he blessed me during that. But all of these messages were just phenomenal messages. And it touched on the entities of armor. I brought my brother here. This is Armando. <laughs> He's the armor. <laughs> Amen. But I brought my brother here today. And, and I, I, I think it's one thing when we talk about something, but when you can see it in the visual. And as we talked about all of these entities of armor, there were so many there was the helmet, there was the breastplate, there was the belt, there were the, the shoes that were the gospel of peace, the sword, the shield, and all of these entities of armor, when you consider all of them, they were put in place for a specific purpose and a reason. When you think about that helmet, it protects our brain, it protects our mind, and the Bible even speaks on that. When you think about the breastplate, the protection of our hearts, the belt, the truth holds it all together. That shield of faith is on the outward front, protecting us all together. The gospel of peace leading us in the direction of where God would have us to go. And then you have the sword, which is the word of God, which is that thing that we fight with. And God started revealing something to me as I was looking at my brother Armando. I was thinking about it. And at the end of the day, the way this thing works is that all of these entities of armor have a specific purpose. And I started thinking about it and praying on it more and more, and I started realizing that the vast majority of those entities of armor are all defensive mechanisms. They're put in place to protect us. And the one offensive weapon is that sword, which is God's word. And as I was praying more and I was thinking about it, and we get to verse 18 here in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the things that we find out is that there is something that we overlook, I believe, oftentimes that there is an unspoken entity that serves as both an offensive and a defensive weapon, and that's the weapon of prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer, with all supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. This morning, we're going to be talking about the weapon of prayer. Bow with me as we pray again. Father, we thank you again for this time. We appreciate you. We honor you. God, as we dig into the word today and we discover more and more what prayer is and how we can utilize it, God, to help us to walk out this Christian life victoriously the way that you intended, Father, we ask that you would meet us, that you would speak to us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we all said, amen. amen, amen, amen. So let's talk about this for a moment when we consider prayer. Because prayer is a very vital, crucial and critical aspect of our Christian walk. Many people will refer to prayer as just simple communication with God. And while that's true, I believe also at the same time, you'll hear some people say, it, it really isn't complicated. All it is is just you talking to God. That's what prayer is. And while I agree with that, I also want us to be cognizant of the fact that this is more than just a one-way conversation. This is not just us speaking with God, but it's also an opportunity for God to speak to us. And when we pray, I believe that we arrest God's attention and God can speak to us in those areas that he needs to when we quiet our hearts and our minds and we come to him with a posture where we want to intently hear God's voice. But that also comes with us speaking to him. 
And so as I look at this a little bit more, I started considering some things in regards to prayer, and God started revealing to me how prayer is the language of heaven. Prayer is that communication stream. It's that thing that connects us to God, and it gives us the ability and opportunity to share our hearts and to lay ourselves bare before God. I remember growing up in a, in a Pentecostal charismatic church, and we did a lot of call and response songs where you say something, they say it on the stage, or they, they sing it through the worship team, and then you respond with another word. And there was a song that I always remember as a little kid, and they would say, Jesus is on the main line. Anybody know the response? Tell them what you want is what they say. Jesus on the main line, tell them what you want. And while that may not be super duper biblical, at the end of the day, it is a depiction of helping us to remind and remember that God is always available, that we can pray, that we can speak to him, and that he is not only a God that hears us, but he listens and he responds in accordance with his will. And so I always remember that song. During this pandemic, we had a lot of talk about essential workers. We had a lot of talk about all of these things that are essential, and I think we start to realize what really matters and what's important to us when things are at a scarcity. But how many of you know that prayer is essential? That prayer is necessary, that prayer is needed. It's absolutely necessary for the vitality of the Christian believer. And so I started seeking God. I said, God, how can I convey this message in such a way that it makes sense? That when we understand all of the entities of my man Armando right here, God, how can we bring in prayer? And how can we show how important prayer is? Because it's not mentioned in those six entities. But I started to realize that prayer is that invisible cloak. It's that thing that covers us. It's that thing that we fight with, that we, that we can actually be protected with as well. And so God gave me the ways that we can access prayer. And so there are five ways that I want to talk about today in which we can access the weapon of prayer. Because when you give anybody a weapon, you got to tell them how to utilize it. Amen? I'm in the weaponry a little bit. And I had to be trained. You can't just give me a weapon and just say, hey, go at it. We have to understand how to access that weapon and how to properly utilize it safely and securely. And so we're going to talk about that with prayer today. The first thing that we have to know in terms of accessing the weapon of prayer is that prayer requires persistence. I listened to Pastor Hyden on Mother's Day, and he spoke a message, and he was talking about persistent faith. Amen. And it was an amazing message, and I loved listening to it and hearing the story of Hannah and being reminded of, again of someone who was intent in their persistence of having faith and exercising that and being obedient to the will of God and walking in their purpose and their call. And he mentioned something during the course of that time. He said that persistent faith requires persistent prayer. I need you to understand that prayer requires a level of persistence. In other words, something that causes you to jump in and do it intently and never giving up just because you're not seeing the results that you're hoping and praying for. But knowing that God hears us, God listens, and he responds in accordance with his will. And here's the other part, in his timing. There's a word that's mentioned a couple of times within that passage of Scripture that I read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and that word is supplication. 
It says that we pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, we keep alert with all perseverance, and we are making all supplication for all the saints. I looked up this word because I wanted to understand what supplication meant. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. This is going the extra mile. This is not just uh, asking for a simple request, but this is doing it with an earnest humility, but also a persistence, amen? Where we don't just give up, we don't just throw in the towel, that we do what 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, and it says to pray without ceasing, which means to pray and not stop or not quit, but to keep praying, to keep trusting, to keep believing, Oftentimes in Scripture, you'll see that when Jesus responded or when God responded to people, he would often say, I heard your prayer. I heard your cry. When he responded to the children of Israel, he responded under that synopsis of saying, I heard their prayer, Moses, and I'm going to send you back to free my people from the Egyptians. This was intent, persistent prayer over time. This was trusting that God would hear their cry and that God would respond when the timing was right. I look at it like this. Um, I'm not a big medicine person. I, I will take medicine if it's necessary, but I know oftentimes they give us antibiotics, right? They'll give us Tamiflu or they'll give us a Z-Pak, Zithromax or, or whatever it is, and, and they give you instructions on how you are to take it, right? So if there is infection that's present in your body, I'm not a doctor, please. If there's a doctor in here, please, please. But if they give you the instructions, they tell you take it over a series of days, right? And they want you to complete it. But what oftentimes ends up happening is that after one or two days, we start kind of feeling better. And it's like, hey, I don't really need this. And we just throw it aside. But what ends up happening is that that thing that was there, it remains present if we don't complete the process. And you have to do it without ceasing. Prayer is the same way. Oftentimes, we may see a small result or we may see no result. And we will throw in the towel and we will give up prematurely before God has the opportunity to respond. Now, God can respond whenever he wants to, right? God is almighty. God is all powerful. He knows all things. But God allows us the ability and opportunity to pray and to seek his face. He tells us, he says, ask. He says, seek. He says, knock. He gives us those instructions and I believe oftentimes it's not that we are changing the will of God through our prayer, but, but sometimes God's response is based upon that commitment and persistence to our prayer. The second way to access the weapon of prayer is that prayer should be God-focused. We got to remember that because I know how we treat prayer. For us, prayer is just simply like speaking to Santa Claus let me give you my list of all of the things that I need, all of the things that I want. And that's not a God-focused, God-centered prayer. When we talk about supplication, I gave you that definition. And one of the things that it said is that we have to ask or beg earnestly and humbly, which means we have to submit and humble ourselves. The Bible tells us that we can humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and then in due season, we will reap, if we faint not, that God will respond to that prayer in his due time. But it comes with us coming to him humbly, with a humble heart, 
with a God-centered focus. It's the idea of recognizing that God can do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Why would we pray to a God who doesn't have the power to respond in accordance with that power by which we pray? We don't pray to ourselves, but we pray to God who is the all-powerful God. The Bible refers to him as being omnipotent, meaning that he has all power in his hands. Means that, that he has the ability to do anything but fail. There's a scripture that I know, amen. There's a scripture that I know that says that is anything too hard for God? That nothing is impossible if we're willing to believe and trust him. And that's the type of God-centered focused prayer that we should have. Our prayers start with thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing, what I mentioned, and it says to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God concerning you. It doesn't say some circumstances. It doesn't say a few circumstances. It says all circumstances, that we are to present ourselves to him when we come to him to pray, being grateful for the position and the space that God has us in. Because no matter how bad our situation is or where we find ourselves in this life, how many of you know that we have something to be grateful for at all times? We serve a great God, we serve a mighty God, we serve a God who is kind, who is compassionate, who is generous, and who is gracious to us at all times, and therefore we are to be thankful when we enter into prayer. I never ever go to God in prayer without first thanking Him for what He's already done. I never not go to God asking him for anything and not recognizing the things that he's already done in my life. And so it's important that we enter into that God-focused prayer with a heart of thanksgiving. The other thing that we have to understand is our motives have to be pure. When we say that it should be God-focused, that means that it's not about our agenda. Ultimately, it's about God's will that we pray. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, there is this conversation where we are entered into understanding that there is this internal struggle that goes on on the inside of all of us. That there is this thing that we battle with because we want things that we don't have. And part of the reason we don't have it, as the scripture says, is because we don't ask. But then when we do ask, we ask with selfish intent and motives that what we receive that we can utilize on ourselves. That's not a God-focused prayer. You will continually struggle internally with this idea of just praying to get what it is that you want from God. It's not about getting what you want from God. It's about getting what God wants for us. And it's not about what God can do in us or for us. It's about what God can do in us and through us. That's what our prayer needs to be. That's the God-centered focus prayer, that it's not about us. Psalms 37 and 4 says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord— he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, I think oftentimes that scripture gets misused and abused because people just think, well, all I have to do is, you know, God, I delight myself in you. You can give me whatever I ask of you. But here's the thing I've come to realize about God, that when we truly delight ourselves in him, when our prayers are not self-focused, but they're God-focused, what we tend to figure out is that God begins to deconstruct our desires and our will. And so our will then becomes His will. And so guess what? When we're delighting ourselves in Him, when He gives us the desires of our heart, they align with His will and purpose for our lives. 
So it comes from shifting our focus off of ourselves and back onto the God of our salvation. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, it tells us something, and we know this. We learned it when we were little kids, but there's a part of it that I've always considered and I've thought about. It says, thy will be done. It's for us to pray God's will in the earth. It's for us to pray God's will and purpose in every situation in our lives. That's a difficult thing. I don't know about you, but it's difficult for me to look past my own personal agenda, the thing that I want, the thing that I'm focused on, the thing that's important to me in the moment, the thing that I feel like God needs to do for me because that's what I feel like I need. God knows better than us. And if we trust him, we can trust that he will not only do for us what his will is, but he'll do for us what is the best thing for us in the moment. Amen. Number three is that prayer should be spirit-led. Now, what do I mean by prayer being spirit-led? In this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says something that I want to point out because I think it's vitally important. When you look at that Scripture, right in the beginning there, it says that we pray at all times in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? As I was studying Scripture further, one of the things that I remember is that there's a Scripture that tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. Because what happens is when we walk in the Spirit, then we can, we can satisfy the desires of the Spirit. But when we walk in the flesh or in our carnal selves, then we satisfy the desires of the flesh. So when we talk about this armor and the need for this and this battle that's constantly going on, there is a constant war that's taking place between the spirit and the flesh. And so what we have to do is we have to clothe ourselves in the spirit so that we can walk in the spirit so that we can please the spirit of God. And so when it says for us to pray in the spirit, the same way that we can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, we can pray in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because the Bible tells us this, when Jesus left, he says that he was going to send his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit would come from the Father and it would teach us all things and remind us all things that he taught us. He left his Holy Spirit as his presence in the earth that can live inside of us and that can work in and through us so that we can accomplish his will and purpose in the earth. And so when we pray in the Spirit, we understand as seen in Romans 8 chapter uh, verses 26 and 27, it tells us this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches our hearts and he knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's a deep passage. But simply, all Paul was explaining to the Roman church was this. He was saying that where we fall short, the Spirit makes up the difference. That in our weaknesses, God is made strong. And we, in our carnal, finite selves, we don't even understand what we need to pray for. But this is where the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And the Spirit guides us 
and prays on our behalf, prays with us and for us, and helps us in communication with God because the heart of the Spirit understands the mind and the God, and it can help us to pray for those things that we know not to pray for. And so it's important that we align ourselves, that we make ourselves available so that God's Spirit can help us. And it says that it intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. You ever in that place where you don't even know what to pray? You don't know how to pray? I can't tell you how many times I've gotten down on my knees and I just knew I needed to be in the presence of God and I got there and I didn't even know what to say. I just laid there prostrate before God and I said, God, help me. Because in my weakness, I don't even know what I need to be praying for. You know better than I do. And so let your spirit intercede for me. Praying in the spirit and being led of the spirit is vitally important if we want to get to a place where we can access this weapon of prayer. The fourth thing is that prayer doesn't have to be deep and impressive. I think sometimes we get intimidated by the idea. I, I was a high school coach for seven years at Faith Lutheran High School. You guys probably see the FL there on the shield, so kind of know where Armando came from. But I was the head coach over there at Faith Lutheran High School, and one of the things that I believed in was training up leaders. Not just training them to be followers, but teaching them how to lead. And so I wouldn't always be the one that was praying. I would challenge them, hey, why don't you guys lead us in prayer? And oftentimes they would be intimidated and say, well, I can't pray really good. And I say, well, what's really good prayer? If you're comparing it to how I pray, that's not the standard. It's a communication from an earnest and humble place with God. You communing with him, you talking with God. It doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be impressive. And so we don't have to be intimidated by the idea that we don't pray the correct way. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, it's, it's amazing as we enter into Jesus teaching us how to pray when he talks about the Lord's prayer, but he gives instruction to his disciples and he tells them, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corner so that they can be seen praying. They want everyone to see them out in the street corners. They want everybody to hear how deep they are using these eloquent big words. They're doing it just so they can be seen so that people can pat them on the back and approve them and think that they're something high and mighty, to think that they're so holy. And he says to them, he says, they've already received their reward. The thing that they're looking for in the earth, they're looking for people to approve them, to validate them. Guess what? That's the only reward they're going to get because their prayers go no further than that. Because it's not about being deep. It's not about being impressive. As a matter of fact, he says this. He says, you don't have to do it out so everyone can see you. You can go into your quiet place. You can go into your prayer closet, as they call it. Go into the room, shut the door behind you because your father sees that private prayer. And the God who sees you in private will reward you as well. How many of you have a special place you like to pray? I, I have a space in my house, like everyone in my house knows as well. So when they see me there, they kind of just walk by like I'm invisible and they'll just leave me alone or they'll come in and say something and notice that I'm there and they walk right out. I think it's important that you have a place where you can meet God. And some people are legit like, I'm getting in the closet. 
They'll go in the closet. They'll close the door behind themselves. They want a place of privacy. They want a place of intimate connection with God. And, and all he's saying is that it's not about you doing it out in the open so everyone can see. It doesn't matter. You can pray in your heart. You can pray in your car. You can pray wherever you are. I can't tell you how often I pray in the car. I just turn the music off and I just have a conversation with God. Good thing they got Bluetooth and stuff like that so the people driving on side of me doesn't look and say, who's this guy talking to? Because there's nobody else in the car. So they can just assume I'm talking on the phone. But I have conversations with God. And the God who sees in secret, he will reward us. The scripture goes on to say that it's not about these empty phrases or using a bunch of words. You don't have to be uh, intelligent in your prayer. You don't have to use these big grandiose words. Grandiose, right? So... I'm trying to explain how not to use big words, and then I try to use one. But God doesn't care about that. How about that? Doesn't matter. He wants us just to tap into his heart with simple communication. Prayer as simple as, God, I need you. Help me, Lord. He hears our hearts. The fifth thing that I want to talk about is that it's imperative that we know that prayer has power. You got to know that prayer has power. Who wants a weapon that doesn't have power? It's important for us to know that this is a weapon that we can access and utilize and that it has power to perform. It has power to gain the attention of God. It has power to move mountains. My scripture says that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can simply speak to a mountain and it has to move. The conversation and prayer that we have with God, it is stemmed on the idea and the premise of faith that we have to believe what we're praying for. That if we don't believe what we're praying for, we may as well not even pray. That we pray to a God who we know can do any and all things. And so we have to know that prayer has power. I think about this in James chapter 5, verses 16. It says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Another version of this scripture says the prayer of the righteous availeth much. In other words, it helps us. It benefits us. It performs a whole lot. And so we have to know that our prayer is powerful, that our prayer is effective, that our prayer has access to God and that it, respond, that it causes God to respond. And so it's important for us to know that. There's a lie that the enemy wants to feed you. He wants you to think that there is absolutely nothing you can do. Your hands ever been tied in a situation where you feel like there's nothing I can do? I've done everything that I know to do in the natural, God. I, I, I've exhausted every single possibility. There's a woman in Scripture that I remember that it talked about a woman with an issue of blood. It says that she spent everything that she had that she did everything that she knew in her human possibilities in order to accomplish what she was seeking to accomplish. And it got to the point to where she had done all that she could do, and she knew that Jesus was the only one that could make the difference. Oftentimes, we flip the script and we go to God last when we should be praying to him first. We enter into situations and then we say, God, bless this situation. When God is saying, come to me first, and allow me to guide you into the proper situation so that I can make sure that I'm with you all along the way. So this lie is fed to us by the enemy. He wants us to believe that there's nothing that we can do. 
I've heard it once said before in the acronym PUSH, P-U-S-H, that we are to pray until something happens, that we have the ability that there is something that we can do, that God is just waiting for us to communicate with him. He's waiting for us to speak with him. He's waiting for us to access that invisible entity of armor that we can utilize as both an offensive and a defensive weapon. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says that if we lack wisdom, that simply all we have to do is ask God. He's saying, I'm available to you. There is a way you can access. There is a way you can get the wisdom that I have for you. And it's simply by us just asking him. And it says that he gives it to us with no guilt. He gives it to us generously, that he's just waiting to dispatch his blessings. He's waiting to dispatch the help that we need, that no one else can offer us. That if we ask, it shall be given. That if we seek, we shall find. That if we knock, the door will be open to us. Prayer is available. It's a weapon that we can access at any time. And God is always willing to respond in accordance with it. In our text, it says to us that we are to keep alert with all perseverance. I'm going to read the scripture one more time because there's so many nuggets just in this one verse. It says that when we pray at all times, that we pray with all prayer and supplication. This is back to Ephesians 6 and 18. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making all supplication for all of the saints. So one of the other things that we have to recognize and remember once again, that, that when we say it's a God-centered prayer, that it's a God-focused prayer, that it's also not just about us. I really paid attention recently, and I started listening to myself when I pray. I was thinking like, now I'm not saying this to, to, to be proud, but I'm thinking I really don't pray a lot for myself. I actually probably need to more than I do. My prayers are centered around so many other people. I'm looking to pray for so many others that are going through rough times, those that are sick, those that are struggling, those that are without, that are in lack, in seasons of struggle. And so this thing tells us right here, it tells us that we are to focus on praying for all of the saints. The supplication is for them as well. And then you get down to this part where it tells us to be alert and to persevere in prayer. Know that the enemy is going to fight you in this. That is the reason we need the armor. It's because there is an enemy, an enemy that wants to fight against us. He wants to fight against the destiny of your soul. He wants to fight against you walking a victorious life in Christ. And so he will continue to prowl around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. His desires are to kill, to steal, and to destroy and so we are to stay alert as we pray, recognizing that there is an enemy. One of the reasons that I try not to leave my home every single day without first praying to God is because there are so many things that are out there waiting for us every day. That there's an enemy who's set traps, that he's caused hiccups throughout your day that'll trip you up, that'll cause you to stumble, that'll cause you to deal with anger, frustration, all of these things that we don't even know that are on the outside waiting to meet us, but it's important that we pray ourselves up before we go each and every day. The need to pray comes from the existence of this enemy. And as we pray, I believe that it opens the door. 
it helps us understand that we can speak to God, that we can hear from God, and that we can understand God's will. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. I want to pray for us, the very thing that we're talking about today. I believe that if we would commit ourselves to praying consistently, persistently, if we can sit, consider praying a God-focused prayer and not just a selfish prayer where we're just asking God to, to bless us and to give us tangible things in the earth that'll rot away, I think God will meet us in our prayer closets. When we understand it's not about being deep or impressive, but it's about simply connecting to the heart of God. I pray that we all would rise up in our prayer lives, that we commit ourselves at a deeper level, that we would be strengthened and encouraged in our prayer lives and know that God, again, not only just hears, but that he responds to the prayers of his children in accordance with his will. And then lastly, I want to pray for that person who doesn't even have that connection with God today. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. I've been married 16 years and I talked about being married to my wife for that long. Communication is key. If we don't communicate, then there really is no relationship. And it's the same thing. A relationship is necessary in order for us to be able to establish communication with God effectively. And so it starts with prayer. It starts with a simple submitting of your heart to Him, giving yourself to Him, walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding what Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10, that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, then we can be saved. We can walk in a right relationship with Him. It doesn't free us from the problems of this world. We'll still be exposed to the problems of this world. I told you there's an enemy that fights against us, and he's really going to fight you when you've changed teams. <laughs> when you get on the other side, he'll fight you. But we have the power of God working in and through us to help us to defeat him at all times. The battle's already won when we live our life for him. And so maybe you're here today and you want to walk in that relationship. I simply just want to pray with you. I just want to guide you in a prayer. And from there, I want you to connect with someone here at Walk Church, one of the ministry leaders who can help disciple you and help you understand what it means to walk this Christian faith, to live a renewed life, to give your heart to him and to allow him to change you from the inside out. And so if that's you, I want to pray with you today. Heavenly Father, you see our hearts. You understand all things. You know what we're in need of before we ever open our mouths to pray. And with that being said, God, I pray that you would see the intent of the hearts of your people that are here on today. Father, we pray for that one, Lord, who has given their life to you on today, for they recognize that they can no longer do this thing without you. And in order to walk that life and be a prayer warrior and walk with you, God, they want to give their life to you on today, God. So I ask that you would just touch them, that you would strengthen them and guide them. We honor you. We praise you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen.